From the Charleston Council for International Visitors, I'm Noah Kubinek, and this is Face of the Earth. Dr. Amparo, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I wonder if you could start by giving us a brief introduction to who you are and your background. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you very much, Noah, for the invitation. Uh, I'm Thiago Amparo. I'm a law professor uh, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, and I'm specialized in um, constitutional law, human rights law, international law. And I do uh, and, I, and I research a lot on uh, policing and racism as well. Um, so that's my area of expertise. Um, uh, I also am a black activist. I have been doing the activism as well um, besides the academia for a while. So that's a little bit a little bit about me. And Dr. Amparo, would you be able to start by telling us what happened at the Calle Four uh, on November nineteenth? Uh, so on November 19th, there was um, a black uh, 40-year-old guy, uh, João Alberto Silveira Freitas. Um, he was a consumer. He was there in the shop buying uh, some things in the supermarket. And then uh, what we saw in the video was that he was approached by um, agents uh, from the supermarket. And then later on, he was taken to the parking lot by two security guards. Um, of the of Carrefour, the supermarket, and then uh, there was a a, a physical um, approach, or I would not say even a struggle, because they didn't even uh, fought. Uh, they just basically suffocated him um, for around four minutes, uh, a little bit over four minutes, and then he passed away uh, right there. Um, so that this happened on the November nineteenth. Uh, in the city of Porto Alegre, which is in the south of Brazil, um, and and where the population of um, uh, the, the white the white population in that state is larger than other states upper north and northeast of Brazil, um, and they have um, all over the country we have uh, several issues of racism, but there as well specifically it's very um, in very brutal uh, the cases of racism that we heard from that state. And this happened just one day before um, what we call our uh, Black Conscience Day. Um, basically, what in U.S. would be something kind of a, our Black History Day, something like this, um, and to remind uh, the struggle against racism. And this happened, uh, this is celebrated on November uh, uh, 20th. Uh, so this was just one day after, uh, one day before uh, this. Uh, so everyone uh, woke up uh, on the day on the holidays, which was supposed to celebrate um, the struggle against racism, with a with a very brutal case that reminded a lot for the U.S. viewers, uh, listeners, uh, remind a lot the case of George Floyd. It sounds like what you're saying is this is not at all an isolated incident in either uh, the city or in Brazil as a whole. Uh, yes, definitely. Um, so we we have uh, there is no. Uh, one a single official data on um, killings by private sector, by the private agents, uh, like the one that we saw in Kahikur. But what we have is that we have several cases that happen. If we just uh, uh, Google um, cases like these in supermarket and in stores, 
um, happened uh, several cases, uh, and I can I can remember six, seven cases uh, of the past two, three years um, happening in Brazil. There were there was a case of a um, teenager being uh, tortured in um, in the supermarket because he was accused of of stealing uh, two bars of chocolate. Um, there is uh, uh, there was one guy also that he. Um, Older guy, the black guy, that was also um, tortured in uh, in the supermarket, and there is video of it. Um, so only the cases that we know, we can count uh, around five, six, uh, five, six, seven cases in the last two, three years um, that we know of, and some of them, are, some of uh, of those cases are actually documented uh, on video. So this is um, this is definitely not uh, isolated incident, and also uh, we have to uh, bear in mind the larger context in Brazil that uh, we have a very strong, a very um, striking uh, numbers of uh, police violence in general. So not huh. only private sector, and uh, only for people in US to understand in US. Uh, uh, the data that I know of is that around 1,000 people was shot by police last year uh, in 2019 in uh, Brazil only just to look at one state, the state of Rio de Janeiro. Okay. Um, we had a 1,000 and more than 1,800 people being killed by police. Wow. Um, and uh, of that, around more than 80% of that is, uh, was black people. So, and especially black young people. So we are talking about that one single state in in Brazil is uh, more than twice, uh, almost twice, uh, people in killed in Brazil by the police. And in this case, okay, for it's interesting that um, those private uh, security uh, companies they actually employ or they are owned by uh, policemen. Uh, so this this one the, involved in this particular case, uh, three people. Um, managing partners in this uh, company are uh, policemen. One of the person, uh, one of the person, uh, one of the people that actually killed um, João Alberto is um, a policeman um, as well, uh, which is not actually allowed by the law. The uh, policeman and also to work as a security agent. Um, and the data that we have is that uh, in Brazil, uh, one million people uh, is. Um, legally entitled to be a private security agent uh, because they have to go through a course uh, with the uh, and and it's uh, regulated by the federal police and we have uh, more uh, people who are actually listed as uh, private agents than uh, policemen but of course these two data overlap and because a lot of those people are actually policemen doing that uh, doing on the as a side job also uh, this private security so this yes it's not a um, it's not an isolated incident, and it's the even if we look specifically at the case of private security, it's not an isolated incident. But if you look also at the broader context of um, police violence more generally, uh, it's also definitely not a, a isolated incident. You said there are more than one million people who are, I guess, registered as private mm -hmm. security guards. Yes, uh, in Brazil, we, the data that we have, we have uh, official data from. Uh, um, from the federal police that was uh, released in the um, annual report uh, of civil society organizations that it's basically the main report on private uh, private, private and public policing. Uh, the date is that uh, around 1 million people are um, listed as private security agents, but only half of it is actually working right now. 
um, okay. uh, experts uh, think that probably half of those people uh, who are not formally working, probably they're working somehow um, informally, uh, which also is a big problem in this uh, sector, which is uh, people working informally and you cannot actually um, control them or monitor what they are what they are doing um which is basically by law is the job of the federal police and uh and their cases uh trying to foster uh this um monitoring by the for the federal police over this sector but that's a big problem because uh, we have one million people listed to do this kind of job as private security but only half of it is actually working right now uh, at least by the books or uh, formally, but we don't know exactly what happens in reality. And that's one of the big problems. It sounds like the existence of a very large private security a sector in Brazil has mm-hmm. been an issue for uh, anyone with concerns of, I, I suppose, both uh, violence against the population in general and particularly any sort of um, racial discrimination or, or racial violence. Yeah, uh, definitely, Noah. I think that uh, I wrote uh, for the newspaper just after the the killing of Jean Robert, and I I was thinking about uh, trying to write from the perspective I'm a black person, uh, and I'm trying to uh, write um, about the experience of black people in Brazil uh, in uh, in relation to uh, violence in general, police violence, but also private security violence. And um, if you look from the perspective of uh, black people, especially black young people uh, in Brazil, in a very unequal and racist uh, society as ours, um, when we are, uh, I wrote there, that when we are um, on the streets and walking on the streets and we see a police person, a policeman or woman, uh, usually we look at it, we look at this person and, or the person looks at us as a kind of incomplete citizen in the sense that we are always the target of uh, police violence. Some people are uh, charged on um, uh, crimes related to uh, drug-related crimes, even if they are not actually committing those crimes. Um, the, the territory of where Black people are, it's constantly policed. Um, so people are stopped and searched all the time. I have friends that they are stopped and searched more than uh, twice, three times a day. Um, so this is, uh, this is something that happens when you're walking on the street. And when you enter a store, a supermarket, a shopping center, or something like this, a shopping mall, um, what you what you see is that um, you are also looked at with suspicion uh, by private security people because the, uh, while you're outside, you on the public, uh, you are seen as a complete citizen where the guarantee for whom the guarantees of law and the rule of law do not apply to you, um, do not protect you. Uh, when you are inside of these uh, private settings, um, even more uh, so because you are seen as kind of a, you're not really a, a, really a consumer, you are here to stealing something and you are you're, you're look at with suspicion. Um, and when we do not have uh, any kind of protocol for the use of force, which should, should not ha- happen ever, the use of force by private security agents, they should, in the case of a crime being a, a crime happening in a store, they should, the only function is to protect the building and the property and call the police. Um, they should not exercise uh, force, even lethal, let alone lethal force against um, the people in the stores. So if you look uh, from the how black bodies uh, travel around the world and they travel around the cities and very unequal cities and in a very unequal country like ours, 
um, we had to bear in mind that if for the police, we are not seen as a, a full citizen to whom, for whom the, the protection of the law applies. And for the private sector, we are not seen as uh, consumers. Uh, so therefore, we are not seen as someone who should, should be protected, should be respected um, in the private and in the public settings. Uh, which is very worrisome and, and leads to these kind of cases uh, that we've seen um, in, in the case of Kayapur. So you're describing a situation that I think will sound at least somewhat familiar to a lot of listeners um, and definitely also applicable to a place like the United States. And you say you live in a very unequal society, but many Brazilians have a completely different conception of their society and of race within it in terms of Brazil as a sort of a racial democracy. Can you tell me anything about that concept? Yeah. Uh, so the concept of racial democracy um, gained strength, uh, especially in the 30s, in the 40s in Brazil. Um, it was a combination of several factors. Uh, this uh, idea in the um, in the academia, in the scholarly work, and also in the public debate, that we would live in a, a racial democracy in the sense that, well, everyone in Brazil is very mixed and uh, therefore uh, racially mixed, uh, and therefore there's something called, uh, there, there would be something called um, Brazilian race, which is kind of this uh, brown uh, skin, and okay. therefore there is no racism because everyone is kind of mixed and uh and everyone should be treated equally and sure. the idea that uh, there is no explicit racial conflict like you see in apartheid, you saw in apartheid in south africa or jim crow laws in the united states right. um so therefore it's kind of a paradise of uh, of this uh, racial democracy and if you see clips there's a there's new clips of from that time and you people are actually talking about that well we live in a very nice uh, country with no explicit uh, racial conflicts and this was uh, a kind of a um, uh, ideology that is, is spread especially uh, in this context of um, uh, building the idea of a nation and i think that's important um, you, i know that you probably all the listeners in, in the united states uh, heard of, of this uh, very racist uh, uh, movie called the birth of a nation um, so this is the idea of this birth of a nation in Brazil is related to this idea of this, oh, we are all um, mixed and it's a racial democracy and that's what makes us different from other contexts. And actually, this was internationally famous because in the 50s, um, uh, UN agency uh, uh, trying to uh, commission a studies in Brazil to look at why Brazilian society is, is a racial democracy. And it's interesting that uh, in the 50s, those studies show that, well, that's not the case, because if you look at the, um, the disparities in economic terms and social terms, how where people, black people live and where white people live in Brazil, all those uh, indicators show that we still leave a very strong, um, not only the legacy of uh, uh, 300 years of, the, of, um, of slavery that we had in Brazil, but also the reproduction, reproduction of these um, of this uh, racism on a daily basis, and another factor that in, uh, fostered this idea of racial democracy is that this was also uh, incorporated in the official discourse of Brazilian state, especially during dictatorships that we had. We had dictatorships in the 30s, and also later on the dictatorship, uh, the military dictatorship in the 60s and 70s. 
um, and this idea of uh, um, a, a, the, the Brazilian race and, and this myth of uh, this nationalist myth of racial democracy was also incorporated in the in the in the discourse. So that's why it's not a surprise to hear uh, the Brazilian president, the vice president, saying that there is no such a thing as racism in Brazil. It's uh, uh, we are importing a concept from abroad. Um, why? Because they are they they have they reproduced this ideology of, of of this myth of racial democracy. Even the slogan of President Bolsonaro during his election was "My skin, my skin color is Brazil." Uh, so to mm. show this this very perfect combination of um, of the nationalists and this idea of our, our Brazilian uh, race. And how we can uh, look at it and dismantle it, first of all, we had to see that there was not, there was never uh, actually a democracy, because if we look at the, um, the policies at the same time that the Brazilian state was saying that it, we were a racial democracy, they were uh, fostering the immigration of white uh, Europeans because the idea that um, Brazilians uh, and African descendants uh, in Brazil uh, do not portray, portray and do not lead us to be um, uh, first uh, a, a developing a developed country, and we need also we need uh, white Brazilians to be uh, a developed country. And this was some uh, immigration policies uh, documented and fostered by the Brazilian state. Um, oh. This uh, also this myth of democracy does not does not take into account that. Why in Brazil, in the United States, uh, it was explicitly, it's explicit um, in several states, several parts of the United States, uh, it was explicit, uh, prohibited to marry uh, someone from other race, uh, so interracial marriage. In Brazil, uh, what happened is that because of the violence against women and the rape of uh, black women, um, there was a dissemination of the miscegenation because of uh, parts of it, because of the violence against women, in, uh -huh. black women in Brazil. Um, so what we celebrate is, uh, is in terms of, in terms of, um, uh, miscegenation in the racial democracy is actually, uh, a product of these, uh, very strong, uh, case, uh very widespread uh -huh. cases of, uh, um, violence against black women in Brazil. And, uh, lastly is that of every data that we have uh, in Brazil, um, shows that uh, people who we call pardos, which means uh, we in, in English could be translated as brown people. Um, okay. We consider by official, uh, in the official census, we consider dark skin persons that we call um, pretos, uh, black people. Uh, we consider uh, dark skin person and brown skin person, both of them as uh, black people in the official data. Um, hmm. And usually, this re the idea of racial democracy says that well, brown people or this mixed uh, people are actually not uh, subject to racism, and we are all mixed and we are all brown. Uh, but any data that you see, you see the data of uh, disparity in salaries. Uh, brown people, as much as uh, black people, receive around fifty percent of the salaries of white people. If you see the police violence, uh, there is um, the the statistics related to brown people is much closer to uh, dark skinned people than the white people. So this myth of there's that there is something called um, a brown skin uh, person that is uh, that navigates the society and travels around the society um, and lives and experiences uh, Brazil in a non-racial way does simply it simply does not exist. Um, uh, brown people are considered uh, black, socially black people in Brazil and subject to constant uh, discrimination. And finally, um, even if we do not, did not have 
had this idea of um, these laws, like Jim Crow laws, we actually had uh, uh, several uh, legal and non-legal uh, prohibitions, for, for for instance, for Brazilians to be part of police forces or um, uh, to, to have access to credit like you had in the United States. So you maintain a very strong... Um, uh, um, and very clear uh, disparities in terms of housing uh, in, okay. in, the, in the major cities like you had in the United States. Um, and even people, some experts in the United States, like uh, Tanya Hernandez from Fordham University, she calls it a Jim Crow, a customary Jim Crow, um, in the sense that it's not necessarily established by a clear uh, law, but uh, it's a wide range of legal regulations and non-legal uh, uh, norms that actually led the situation that we have now. So long story, but to sum up is that we have this, we still have this myth of racial democracy uh, in the public debate, but this was um, fostered and incorporated in the, in the national discourse by the state in the 30s and the 40s. Um, but more and more, it, is, it, is, uh, it has been discredited by uh, modern literature on race in Brazil. After this latest murder of a black man in the Kaya Four, are people sticking to this myth? Is it something that's uh, that you see is weakening, or is it are things sort of remaining the same? I think um, it's very important to see. Um, I, I, I'm always very skeptical uh, skeptical about um, trying to um, let me see, rephrase. I think that it's very important for us to be very careful when we look at the. Uh, official uh, discourse on race uh, that we heard from our uh, president or vice president as if it was um, portraying and showing uh, actually what the majority of the people think about race in Brazil. Um, so when you look at the, the data that we had, uh, there, there, was, there, were, there were national polls in the late 90s and early 2000s in Brazil asking people whether they think there is racism in Brazil. And around um, around ninety percent of the people said that there is racism in Brazil, hmm. uh, but when they were asked uh, whether they are racist, uh, they said no. Uh, hmm. Only around ten percent of people said, uh, a little bit more than ten percent of people actually actually acknowledge that they are racist. They are racist. So um, it's kind of racism is a crime without a, a author, you know, like anyone mm-hmm. who actually commits it. Um, so it's it, it, I think it. There is a widespread uh, sense in the Brazilian society there is such a thing as a racism, and the day, national polls that we had showed uh, that we have showed that. Also, the social media reaction to cases like João Alberto, uh, it, it's overwhelming against what happened uh, to him and the killing of João Alberto. Um, so it show th- those data uh, sets show actually that the president and the vice president and the and this government is uh, in the in the minority view in this in this particular context. But the problem in Brazil is that um, so, uh, most of the time racism is uh, perpetuated not in a clear racial terms. So uh, we see the discourse of law and order uh, in terms of policing, and people are saying, "Well, no, we actually are uh, not racist. We are just uh, trying to uh, keep our city safe." Or uh, we are not actually racist. The racist, we are just uh, uh, portraying, uh, trying to maintain a meritocracy when we are hiring someone for a company. Um, 
all those forces, they perpetuate the racism, but most of the people do not see clearly as uh, uh, the maintenance of a racist policy. So I think what, what the job to, is yet to be done is to uh, trying to um, get the the those major the major the vast majority of people that think that exists racism in Brazil to see where racism actually lives and where the racism actually is being um, reproduced on a daily basis in our institutions and a, a very common term that is part of the public debate nowadays is called structural racism. And people are talking about structural racism all the time, um, but I think it's important to uh, to to get in exactly the idea of the concrete uh, realization on a daily basis of structural racism that is reproduced uh, in our discourse on law and order, that is reproduced in our discourse of meritocracy when we are uh, justifying the uh, large uh, disparities, racial disparities in the labor market. Um, and or in in the public uh, accepting public discourses like the one uh, that we see uh, from uh, from the president or vice president nowadays. So I think that it's it, there's a job to be done yet to to see the uh, realization of uh, structural racism on a daily basis and try to dismantle it. You had this murder, and then immediately afterward, what happened? So um, afterwards, we had. Um, so first of all, we had this um, uh, major uh, news uh, looking at it very closely and talking about it for days and days. Um, and then right after we had the police, investigative police, uh, they uh, they said, well, uh, we are going to arrest uh, uh, the people, the security guards. We're going to charge uh, and we're going to investigate what happened. Um, they did not mention, it's interesting that they did not mention a uh, racism or even the race of the person um, in the mm. case. Uh, so it as if it was not actually a case of racism. Mm -hmm. uh, the chief police person said, well, we are going to charge and uh, you're going to investigate and, and, and as a homicide. Uh, but um, we, we had to see whether it's a case also of racism. And this is important to point out because in Brazil, racism is a crime as well. Uh, so there's a crime of racism that could be investigated alongside with the homicide to say huh. that, well, it's not only an ordinary killing. Uh, when you are str strangling someone for four minutes uh, on video um, and, and this person is a black person and you are, you are reacting uh, a kind of um, a scene of a lynching, uh, which dates back to the history of racial violence in, in, in Brazil, in the United States and other places. Uh, probably are not doing that just because you think someone stole something, uh, because the person is already mobilized, immobilized. So they actually, you are killing the person because you think you also uh, you're trying to show your uh, racial hatred. Um, and but this was actually totally um, taken away from the case officially from the from the from the from the case formally. Uh, so they are the good part is that actually they were uh, they were arrested. And then uh, today, the news is that it, they are being charged uh, for uh, a homicide, uh, but uh, there was no, in the case, there was no inclusion of the discussion of race, which will be important to show that this is not, um, uh, this is not only, uh, which let alone is already uh, worrisome, but it's not alone uh, the, a brutal uh, killing, but also it's a racially motivated and brutal killing. 
Um, and I think it's very important for the judicial system to bear that in mind. And I saw some, uh, so this was, uh, this was, uh, this what happened afterwards. Um, there was also a discussion, uh, but yet to be seen what's going to happen. It's also a discussion about the people that were around there. The, the, the news articles were saying there were around 10, 15 people around the scene, um, some of them filming the scene, uh, but not doing anything. And, and when you are doing, uh, when you are watching someone, uh, being killed, uh, someone's life in danger, and you're not doing anything. This is also a crime. Mm -hmm. um, so the, this might be investigated, but it's not clear uh, what's going to happen. But uh, what we saw today's news is that the people who were uh, involved directly in the, in the killing, they were uh, tried with the homicide. Hmm. Now, you touched a little bit on this a couple of times already, but can you talk at all about what the reaction has been from Brazil's national leaders from um, President Jair Bolsonaro. Mm -hmm. So, um, first, the vice president uh, said it's regrettable. Uh, they, he said he was the first one to say something. So he said it's regrettable. He said that well, it's something. Um, uh, um, uh, it's something that it should be investigated. It's regrettable. But he also said there's, and he was asked whether he thinks this is a case of racism, and then he said, well, that's not a case of racism. Um, uh, because uh, uh, because it, it races, there is no racism here. It's something that it's which it's important from uh, from other context, from other countries. And I think he was there, he was thinking about the United States or South Africa. Um, and therefore, it's not something that we have here. Um, and then later on, the president um, did not say anything about the family, or he did not send any condolences to the family, which is hmm. something that is very interesting to see that it's. Um, it's a lack of not only a lack of empathy, but also it's a it's a breaking. I think the, the traditional rules of political courtesy. You know that uh, political leaders always say condolences to the family of some of the killing. That it's um, uh, a reason of a public debate. So that's very that's very interesting and sad. But also he made a long um, uh, thread uh, on Twitter saying that um, well uh, we are very. Um, very diverse society, and also saying that we do not have um, a racism here. It's something that is important because it's very, it's very diverse, and so on and so forth. So um, the instant reaction was um, the, the 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 only reaction that we had was basically, you know, it's regrettable. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, it just went to the discussion about um, there's no racism. And this is very interesting because uh, just uh, two days ago, uh, we are talking about João Alberto, but two days ago, uh, or two, three days ago, um, two, uh, two uh, children of, uh, were murdered uh, by, um, in, 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 a, in Rio de Janeiro involving a police operation. So they are investigating <laughs> who actually shot, uh, but one was four years old and the other one was seven years old. They were, wow. they were playing outside of their house um and then they were shot uh on the head um wow. and this and these are two black children and only this year uh, uh the the angels are uh, documented documented uh 22 cases of killing of children uh and by children i mean uh, uh children under uh 12 years old so actually uh we see that uh, and and the president and the vice president and did not say anything about this case, uh, this murder of the of the two children, 
um, the governor only said something, the governor of Rio only said something after uh, uh, a case of two policemen uh, uh, came up, uh, a case of two policemen being killed as well. So he first uh, said something about the police of the, the killings of the policemen by the by their names and did not mention the names of the two children they just said that uh, who, their names are emily and rebecca he did not say their names um so this is just to give you an example of how uh the violence is normalized in brazil's maybe it's against uh black bodies um and it's very uh it, it, it's reproducing them in the public debate at the highest level and the presidency level and the governorship it's very it's it's worrisome because um, it's just uh, in a in a case, in a country where we see cases like this almost on a da daily basis. The latest data is that um, a black person is killed every twenty one minutes. So probably uh, two people were killed uh, while we are recording this podcast. Hmm. Um, and that's just people do not and and I think generally not I'm not saying people in general because I think I truly believe that people in general do uh, worry about that and but I think that politicians sometimes do not pay attention or at least uh, the respect necessary in those uh, cases. For activists in Brazil, what are the current pushes um, to try to address the problem of racism in Brazil? Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the major developments that we had um, for the past two years in Brazil in terms of black activism is um, the establishment of the national, um, a national coalition for rights, a uh, black coalition of rights, um, which is basically um, a coalition for more than 100 uh, NGOs and black uh, movements uh, in the country. Uh, which is interesting because it's their unified uh, voice um, against racism and they are very strong. They released a statement recently saying that with racism, uh, there is no democracy. Um, they are very active, uh, act, uh, they are very uh, uh, acting very strongly with the parliament and, and trying to uh, push back any, um, any initiatives against black people in the parliament and also uh, they are talking very strongly in the media about those cases, um, and they also they are calling for protests. There were there were protests after the the uh, the, the the killing of João Alberto. Um, so this is something that we are seeing uh, in Brazil, and it it gives a little bit of hope because uh, it's a very strong um, very strong movement that are already strong. Uh, isolated but now together they are very strong and uh, this is something that happened uh, for the past uh, two years in addition to the historical movement that we had that we have in, in Brazil so the, the modern black movement apart from the movement against slavery um, in the 19th century the, the modern uh, black movement exists very strongly especially after the 30s and and he, even in the in the late 70s uh, even during dictatorship with large protests at the end of dictatorship, and they participated very strongly in the in the in the constitutional assembly uh, in in the late 80s, establishing the crime of racism inside of the constitution, including inside of the constitution. And more recently, we have several groups uh, fighting against racism, or reprodu uh, producing research and looking at uh, the impact, the real impact on people's lives of this uh, police violence. So there are people uh, uh, documenting how many days uh, schools are closed and the hospitals are closed because of police operation, for instance, uh, because it's kind of a war zone that you, that you see in, in actual wars in other places. 
um, we you see people are uh, very strong being elected. So there are, there is a movement of new uh, politicians at the state level, local level, uh, being elected, and they very vocal about uh, issues of racism and also street protests that we are seeing very strongly. And finally, uh, strategic litigation. And even in the Supreme Court, we have seen strategic litigation more recently about police violence. So I think that this is something that gives hope. And uh, it shows that the Brazilian society is not uh, quiet about those issues, specifically uh, with, the, with the strong uh, activism of uh, black leaders uh, that we have seen, and especially young black leaders also young and historical black leaders um uh, uh giving their voice and and strength uh to fight against racism dr empower are you aware of any ways that people from outside of brazil may be able to um support or assist in the effort of brazilians brazilian activists etc or is this something that uh, is sort of you see as an internal struggle? No, I think that uh, uh, because we, especially the societies of this transatlantic um, market of um, slavers, uh, mm-hmm. slaves, and and black bodies that we and 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 the shared history and shared legacies uh, of uh, racism. Um, we are talking about uh, several countries in Latin America, but also the United States, and then. Um, Certain uh, context in 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 the in the continent of Africa, like South Africa, I think all those uh, places uh, should uh, join efforts and to, in trying to show. And um, there's still racism in Brazil. Supporting the activists in uh, in Brazil, even talking about this uh, today with you, um, uh, reporting about that, and looking uh, at the uh, ways to support. Uh, foundations in other places supporting the black movement in, in Brazil. Um, I think that several ways that you we can um, we can try to share our uh, common legacies, understanding of course our differences, uh, but at the same time showing that our mutual support um, in advancing um, the struggle against racism. So I think definitely it's not only an internal issue. I think we are stronger when we are united. And I think that we are stronger when we are uh, combining our voices uh, to fight against racism. So recently, um, I was in a panel discussion uh, with activists, uh, black activists and politicians in Brazil, and they invited uh, someone from uh, Black Lives Matter uh, showing their experiences and trying to um, uh, to show also the, their support. So I think that's very important to see that our struggle is not only our struggle, but also the shared struggle against uh, racism um, because of our shared history. And uh, and despite differences, we are all in need uh, to fight for a better uh, for better societies and uh, for a better uh, understanding of um, of the place where we all should have in equal terms uh, in our society. Dr. Empower, you seem by the kind of person who is always busy. And sadly, sadly, it sounds like you may be particularly busy right now. I am very grateful that you were able to uh, take the time to speak to me and to our listeners about what's happening in Brazil right now. It certainly sounds relevant to our own community uh, in the United States and in Charleston. Um, And I just want to thank you again for taking that time and, and I will be sure to stay in touch. Thank you very much, Noah. It was it was my pleasure, especially 
because you are Charleston, and I think you also there are several uh, commonalities and histories that we we share. Um, sadly, and I think that it's important to for people there to listen to what's happening in Brazil, to learn a bit more about what's happening in Brazil, and try to help us to fight against this uh, daily struggle against racism. Thank you very much.